So that's some of the context. So Jesus is in this house and so his, his family are trying to sort of pull him back from this. The Pharisees are trying to pull him back from this. And then uh, in verse 31, Jesus, uh, is, this is recorded about Jesus. Um, Jesus and his mother and brothers came and were standing outside and they sent to him and called him. And the crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and brothers? And looking about those who were around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So we're going to need to have a look at that a little bit this morning. Um, but before I get into this passage, I think um, I just want to do a bit of a, a recap, uh, sort of getting to three quarters of the way through the year. And I just want to give you, um, there's a bit of a method to our madness uh, in the way that we sort of preach. And if we put the first slide up, so um, our, our theme for the year, um, and, and probably more for the year, some of the stuff that came out of last year, is this um, rediscovering our purpose of moving people in following Christ. Uh, as church council and as the church prayed and fasted, we um, came to rest on uh, this as a bit of our purpose, and we've been exploring uh, that again this year. We've been using... The Great Commission from Matthew 28, uh, to explore that a little bit um, and been focusing on um, the idea of making disciples and seeing people move in following Christ and Jesus sort of called to people to follow him but then also to go out and make disciples and disciples are people who make other disciples um, and help the others uh, to move in following Christ. And so we go to the next slide. Um, that's sort of our big picture and then we did uh, some of the examining uh, early on in the year of uh, who we are as a church looking at our um, sort of our, um, our purpose statement to our goals of growing disciples, uh, caring for people and reaching the world and so these have been a little bit tweaked from where they used to be and if you remember back to when we preached on Ezra and Nehemiah talking about uh, God's vision being built on things that were the past and, and being um, renewed uh, as uh, things progressed. And we're sort of focusing on these two ideas of being disciples, following Jesus, and making disciples, go and make disciples. And so you will have noticed that there's a little tweak on our logo um, where it used to be Reach, Care, Grow. We've actually flipped it around and it's now Grow, Care, Reach. And we've done that significantly um, and, and on intentionally um, around this whole idea of um, making disciples, going and uh, growing and making disciples. If we go to the next slide, um, there's a little bit of, I don't know if you remember this picture from early on in the year that um, we came up with. And um, there's uh, probably an understanding that there's a bit of a process in following Jesus. That um, if we follow, if we pick up some of the things that um, out of the New Testament, but also the Old Testament, there's this idea of growing as disciples, understanding who God is, wanting to follow Him, wanting to pursue Him. But you've got to know who He is and and um, and how He interacts with your life. So there's that growing, and as we do that, as we uh, understand God's love for us, there's a growing desire to care for one another 
and care for the world uh, and thinking about how we do that. And then if you think sort of around the outside, that as we do that, we also reach into the world, go out into the world. We're sent ones. We're people on mission uh, reaching into the world. And as we've sort of talked about that, this always focuses around Jesus. Jesus is at the centre. And that what we're on about as a church is moving people in following Jesus, becoming uh, more like Jesus uh, as we grow disciples, care for people, uh, reach the world. And then we recognise that these things happen not just in a nice process, do they? They happen in the mess of life. And that while we're caring for people, we're growing disciples. And while we're reaching the world, we're um, caring for people and those sort of things interact together. And so this year, as we've sort of been thinking about that, we've been focusing a little bit on uh, grow groups and life groups. Um, that grow groups are groups of three or four people, the same sex, that get together um, fortnightly or something like that to read the word, to pray for one another and to encourage one another, to spur one another in following Jesus. Um, and then uh, also working with our life groups, so we sort of change them from small groups to life groups, um, where we're doing life on mission, and that our life groups, you would have uh, the material, some of the material that we've been done done there is more sort of missional. How are we uh, being the people of God in mission in our life groups? And that's sort of been some of the, the, the sort of the focus, sort of the, the framework of where um, we've been going this year. And just a reminder that. <laughs> Maybe that should have been at the top. This is for God's glory. This is not about creating a great church at One Hope. This is about God displaying himself to the world through us, his people, through us as a local congregation at One Hope. Go to the next slide. And then um, we've stepped into, after we sort of did Ezra and Nehemiah and some stuff out of Easter, we stepped into uh, the master plan, uh, moving people in following Christ, looking at discipleship in the Gospels. So over the last number of months, we've been working through the Gospels, seeing how did Jesus do this? Uh, what did he do? How did he uh, disciple his disciples? Um, how did um, he work with that? If we go to the next slide... Um, We sort of did this whole set on as you go. I think Andrew uh, reiterated this last week of priorities and opportunities and plans and eating success and failure. And then if we go to the next slide, um, we're now into this section of the Great Commission as we're unfolding that, looking at the gospel of uh, baptise them into the name of the Father, Son and the Spirit. Last week, Andrew sort of focused on we're baptising people into salvation that, um, that God our Father um, pursues us and brings us um, salvation. He took things about um, sanctification and glorification and justification and all those sorts of processes as well as God um, baptizes us into a new life that we are saved. We are a saved people, a people destined for eternity. Today we're going to look at community and family next week not next week, two weeks uh, later, Joel's going to pick up on um, that we're baptised into new life. And the reason I I just wanted to quickly get it, because there's a bit of a framework, and sometimes that framework helps you hang things off what we're doing. It just helps sort of, oh, there's a sort of purpose, and and I believe that there's something that God's doing through all of that together amongst us. There's a sense that God's at work. And so for me, that just sort of um, helps give us uh, that framework. So this week, if we go to the first slide or next slide, 
um, yeah, we're going to go baptised into a family or into community. Um, and so that passage that we just read um, from Mark is also recorded in the two other Gospels. So three, other gosp- three Gospels record this passage uh, about Jesus and um, his family and what happens uh, with that God. Uh, Jesus sort of re-identifying, I suppose, uh, the family. And so the New Testament, I think, builds on the Old Testament. It's interesting, in that passage, in the, each of those passages, uh, there it says that Jesus is gathered uh, in this house and uh, the people encircle him. All the passages say the people encircle him. Uh, and it reminded me a little bit of the, um, the Old Testament picture of the tabernacle. Can you remember what happened? The tabernacle, when God set up his presence amongst his people in the Old Testament, it was at the centre of the community and everyone sort of gathered around God. So there was sort of that sense. So I thought we would do that this morning. We would reenact this scene that Jesus did in this Palestinian house 2,000 years ago and that we're going to gather around Jesus. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to change your chairs and we're going to go in the round today, okay? So we're going to gather around Jesus. So not me, Jesus, but uh, I'll be sort of here in the middle of it. So yeah, just sort of spread your chairs around and uh, get, get into, the, into the space. Because I think there's something in what happens here, what we're doing here, is um, symbolic of what Jesus was trying to uh, get across when um, he was in this house and he said, here are my brothers and sisters and mothers and brothers. We've done this before, if you've been around here before. Um, There's something, um, you know, people call this the communion, isn't it? And there's something about it, I always break it down into a common union. We have a common unity together uh, as the church, as the people of God. And this common common unity is based on Christ. Christ uh, being at the centre that he came from heaven to earth so that we might be in a right place with God. That our sins... Uh, taken away so that we gain victory and access to our Father. And it's interesting, it's communion with God, but the Bible's really big on this, that when we celebrate this Lord's Supper, when we celebrate Jesus, it's communion with each other. And it's just as big on the communion with each other as it is with God. And so as we sit here and you look across the table (laughs) at one another, uh, that's the picture that God wants to give for his people, that I want you to be intently looking at each other, understanding each other, knowing each other. (laughs) I'm seeing a few people giving a stare across the table. Uh, And there's something about it that's a little bit uncomfortable, but there's this this sense, and I want you to have this picture in your mind, that as you look across the table, you look at the people who are gathered around it through Jesus. So you look at him, uh, you look at them, at each other, the way he looks at you, which is forgiven, with love, with grace, with mercy, with desire to see you grow, to to see you be the best followers of Jesus that you can be. We look across this table and we think about things like healing, 
reconciliation, of love and joy and peace manifest to each other. As we think about the idea that we are a family, and the Bible is big that when we 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 become Christians, um, we we originally we talked about talking about that you are baptized into a community, the people of God. I think the Bible takes it even further than that, and that's why I want to focus on it's a family. That's what Jesus does, isn't it? You're not just baptized into a community; you're baptized into a family. And so the people that you're looking across here are your brothers and sisters. <laughs> Your, your, your parents, they're people who have that sort of relationship with one another. And it's interesting if you pick up some of the broader, the, broader t- the, p- the context of this passage where Jesus is um, here with this group of people in this house, gathered in a circle around him. He's teaching them and he's teaching them about himself. He's teaching them about things about that, that he is the way, the truth and the life. He's teaching them, if you look at some of the passages there, he teaches them about the parable of the sower. That uh, the, the seed is going to be sown and there's going to be people in different places and different situations and that he's looking for a, 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 um, a, a harvest to be, to be grown out of uh, each other. Um, also, we get in the context of these passages that Jesus is actually in a battle. His family is in a battle because the Pharisees thinking, you know, they're saying that he's a, he's a demon-possessed and, that, that and so they're trying to ridicule him and bring him down. Uh, the opposition there even is not just the Pharisees, it's his own family. Uh, some of the ver- versions say that his family came to that place to get him out of there, <laughs> to pull him away from what he actually was called to do. But he... Uh, re-identifies his uh, family there, doesn't he? As the people uh, gathered around Jesus, they listened to his teaching, they understood uh, his kingdom, they looked at his life, and they understood uh, a little bit more about what it meant to be, for them to be uh, a family together, uh, living with God, living with one another, and displaying him uh, to the world. And it's interesting, um, and I want us to wrestle with um, this idea, this call from outside, when, you know, some of the opposition, the call from outside was to pull, us away, pull him away from what God had called him to do. And so just, have a, just in your own, what are some of the, the oppositions that are coming against you, just in your own mind? What are some of the things that are pulling you away from being a follower of Jesus? Is it... Um, satanic powers is it the weight of the world is it the pull of the desires of the world is it the authorities of the world um, is it your own family is it your career is it your retirement and so just as you think about those things I want you to lay them on the table at Christ and just uh, the, the thing that Jesus says that we as a family as we're broken vessels we're broken people that we repent and believe and so these things that are stopping us from being followers stopping us from being full brothers and sisters full uh, connected into his family I 
just ask that you just, just in your own mind, you can just lay them before on the, on the cross, on the, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. And just, you can just do that in silence now and experience uh, his forgiveness over those things. As we think about um, this idea of being baptised into the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, I think uh, I read some stuff, I put it in the church letter this week, this idea, um, Andrew sort of touched on it a bit last week, this idea that by the Father we're baptised into the family. We have a new identity as sons and daughters of Christ. Our identity now is that we are the perfectly and dearly loved children of our Father cares for us and protects us. That's our own identity. I think about uh, the role of the son and that as the son we become brothers and sisters, we become the family, we become the community, the people of God Um, and he calls us uh, to to love one another in that, that we are um, sons and daughters, we're a family. But then uh, we think about we're baptised into the spirit as well that we're baptised into the Spirit, that we become um, the dwelling place of God. And what does he do with the dwelling place of God? He sends it into the world. (laughs) And so there's this sense, and I think I put this in the church letter, that we are now a family of God called to serve one another and love one another and sent out into the world to display his love and his grace and his mercy. That's our new identity. And I think as we think about what it means to be a family together, and we're baptised into this family, I think you've got to do the, my example of the perfect family because we're all from broken families and we've all got m- different levels of messed up families, but you've got to think about what would the perfect family look like. And that's what God calls us to be, is to be that perfect family. What would it look like for perfect brother, uh, a perfect brotherly and sisterly love? perfect love between uh, parents and children and that we, are desire to do, we desire to do that and have the Spirit's power to enable us to do that. And I want us to keep playing with that family idea and we, we've sort of experienced some of that in our community already this morning and over the last week. Think about what families do together. Think about how families grow together. They eat together, they drink together, they celebrate together. Think about birthdays or um, milestones or uh, events together. And think about how does that happen amongst us? Where does that happen for us? And for think particularly for, for new people coming into our community. Do we have a sense that they're our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we share at that sort of level? And if you think about our church's goals in here about how are we helping each other grow? old and young together, parents and children together. And he's not just talking biological there. He's talking older men, younger men, older women, younger women. How are you helping one another grow? How are you helping your kids sitting across from here grow? As you care for one another, what are the needs that you're looking across at? And how are you engaging with those needs? 
in order to know the needs, uh, to serve the needs, people have got to know the needs. Are you actually sharing with each other the needs that you have? The things that you need help with in following Jesus and growing as a follower of him? And as we think about uh, that too, about us as a family reaching out, who are the other people that need to join this family? Thinking a little bit about what's the purpose of a family? What's the purpose of a family? I thought it, re- it made me. Re- oh, is it just to have? Oh, the purpose of family is actually to grow, isn't it? The purpose of family is to grow, have children, and more children, and to grow and extend and extend and extend. That's really what it sort of goes. It's on about. Otherwise, it will just die out. Over time, if it doesn't multiply, it'll die out. And so, this idea of us reaching out, having other people brothers and sisters that are not yet sitting in this circle joining us. But here's the thing. You can't be a family of 150 and do it really well. That's why we've been emphasising grow groups and life groups. This This is one level of thing that's really good. It's great. It's great that we gather together. We know here. But you're not going to get the level of connection that a grow group gets here on Sunday morning if you're coming there here thinking you're going to get that on a Sunday morning you're not going to get it here you're not even going to get the connection level of a life group here on a Sunday morning it's not what it's intended to do it's intended to bring those all of those people that are doing that outside together to be united around this to be inspired so that we go out there and do that again and then and for me it's another call the grow groups that you're in, where your, your commitment to life groups, and that sort of often, that sort of more is probably the fa- family dynamic, isn't it, at that sort of level. And then you think about extended family and how that works too. There is a need for aunties and uncles and grandparents and stuff like that at that broader level, but there's that need for that conviction of that core um, family as well. So this morning we're going to celebrate this family meal together. Um, Can I have that green book thing there behind you there, Az? Um, Because that's that's a sense of what the picture is too. I was reading, I've been reading through um, Exodus and Leviticus and stuff like that at the moment. It's interesting, in the tabernacle there was a table with bread on it. You know what that that was symbolised? That you could come into that place and you could sit down and have a meal with God. And if you think into the New Testament, think about some of the imagery. It's not only just individuals that did that, it was a community that did that. They sat down, they had a meal with God. That's the level of intimacy that we have uh, with him. So we remember um, when Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks for it He offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant. I like that idea. (laughs) It's a new covenant. It's a new... So in the Old Testament, was it more the people of God? What's the New Testament? It's now the family of God. There's something new. There's more intimacy that's happening uh, there. There's an intimacy with God and with with each other. And then Jesus says, I will not drink this fruit with you of this vine until I drink it in the day... Um, when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He's talking about heaven. And he said, this is a picture, what we're doing here, 
not just what we're experiencing now, it's a picture of heaven when we will get to, what is it, what do they call it? The wedding feast, the celebration feast where you will sit down with God and with each other in heaven and celebrate being the family of God. And so, I, I just, every now and then I pull out this green book which we sort of laugh about at times, it's sort of denominational sort of, forms and stuff like that. But I read this today and I thought, this is great. Listen to this. This supper also speaks of us, the fellowship that we have with one another. This is one table around which we meet, with one bread that we eat and it's one bottle of juice that we drink from. The Holy Spirit who unites us with our Saviour also binds us together in brotherly and sisterly love. So thus, around the Lord's table, we give, listen to this, a visible expression of the body we give a visible expression of the family of god as we sit here with christ at the center and we the members of his family and so living from this forgiving grace that we experience here we extend forgiveness and grace to one another just as he served us we now serve one another as he loved us first we now love one another as he intercedes for us, we now pray for one another. What a beautiful picture of a family. Let's pray before we eat. Lord, we thank you that we can gather around this table, gather around Jesus, his life, death, resurrection and ascension and be reminded of who we are now because of that that we're reminded that we are the sons and daughters of the living God, that you are our Father, the Creator God, who says you delight in us as your children. We thank you that as we participate in this, we participate as a family, with brothers and sisters, mothers and uh, fathers and children, together, and that you have united us with love. Lord, as we unite over this meal, we recognise that we are now your dwelling place, the living temple, you say, uh, a family that now is called to display you to the world. So as we participate in this meal together, may you bring a smile to our face, put a spring in our step as we celebrate being a family of Christ together. Amen. So the way we're going to do this this morning... Uh, is, you know that I'll do things a bit different and messy. Uh, we're we're going to give um, Lord's Supper to each other, okay? So um, I'm going to hand these around and you're going to say to the person next to you, whoever, or you might go behind, I don't know how it's going to work, um, you can just go to say, um, brother or sister, the body of Christ given for you. Brother and sister, the body of Christ given for you. And if we hand the, the drink around, brother or sister, the blood of Christ given for you. Uh, if you don't want to participate, you don't have to participate uh, this morning. If you're not in a place that you don't want to, you can just say, uh, just pass it on to the next person. Um, but if you do want to, here's an opportunity uh, for us to be part of the family together as we celebrate Christ uh, being at the centre of our family and as we express love to one another. So here we go.
So if you haven't yet taken, you, you can, you're ready just to eat. Just remember the words that we take, that we say when we eat the bread. We remember that Jesus' body was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. And as we take the cup of thanksgiving, so whenever I say that, that's got to put a smile on your face. The cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks. Jesus' blood was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Remember this. Then Jesus said, the way I've loved you, now you love one another. That's the way we operate in this family. How many times in Jesus' ministries he's teaching the disciples, does he say, now go and do likewise? Think about the way he served them way he taught them, the way he encouraged them, the way he rebuked them. He said, that's the way we operate as a family. Yeah, just whack it there. Uh, where are we time-wise? 25 past. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Um, what we're going to do is I'm just going to wrap it up with a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we have the privilege of celebrating this supper. That we're reminded of what the sacraments are all about, that we've just participated in a physical act that reminds us of a spiritual reality. That through Christ we've been baptised into a family where God is our Father and we are his children. That we've been baptised into a family we have brothers and sisters and mums and dads and aunts and uncles. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us a love for one another. That love that you have for us would overflow into a love for one another. We thank you that we have your spirit, the spirit that empowers us to love that way. And we pray that this week, as we go out of here, we go into our families, go into our workplaces, into our um, different places where we will be. We pray that we may display your love to the world as your family. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.